Hello, world. I'm Greg Patton. Stand by for news and stuff. Well, as we travel around the country in evangelism, various regions, you'll find distinct language differences. You might ask for water and be directed to either a drinking fountain or a bubbler. What's that? A sweet drink? It's either a soda or a pop? Cola? When word definitions change, it can be confusing. We who follow Jesus Christ become confused when our thinking about the truths of the Word of God differ from God Himself. If that happens, we can be tempted to live in ways that do not glorify God. Really, what do you believe about the Lordship of Jesus Christ? Do you believe that God has made Jesus Christ the supreme authority over all life? It's in the Bible. Do you believe that salvation comes only through Jesus Christ? That there is nothing else you can do to earn your salvation? Have you surrendered all aspects of your personal and private life, public life, visible life, to the control of Jesus Christ? You know, when our beliefs reflect the truth of the Word of God, our actions glorify God, according to John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32. It's really that simple. Spend time every day, today, comparing your thinking to God's and, and make those necessary adjustments so that your life will proclaim Jesus Christ is Lord in any language. What in the world is going on? Thousands dead, that's what. Thousands are feared dead after Turkey was hit by a second massive earthquake. That was just hours after an earlier catastrophic quake killed more than 1,900 people recorded and plunged that region into an unfolding humanitarian crisis. Turkey, the initial 7.8, the nighttime tremor, followed hours later by a slightly smaller one, wiping out an entire section of a major Turkish city in a region filled with millions of people who fled the civil war in Syria and other conflicts. The later 7.5 magnitude quake struck at 1.24 p.m., two and a half miles southeast of the town of Akezo, and around 60 miles north of the first quake. Devastation everywhere. Turkey. Syria. My, oh, my. Demon-possessed? You betcha. A convicted pedophile who allegedly raped and tortured children was found dead in a U.K. prison cell while he was awaiting sentencing for his sex crimes. Andrew Hadwin, 39 years old, found guilty of three counts of rape, seven counts of neglect, one count of perversion. Hadwin's partner, Cheryl Pickles, another demon-possessed nutcase, 35 found guilty of five counts of child cruelty and one of perverting the course of justice. She is awaiting her prison sentence. How sick. Well, it's only one state away. Officials in northeastern Ohio are urging people who've not only evacuated the area to do so now after a train derailed over the weekend in that state, leading to the fears of a potential massive explosion. Residents were warned of the potential tanker failure after a drastic temperature change was discovered in one of the rail cars. Ohio Governor Mike DeWine's office said in a statement, adding that teams were working to prevent that explosion in the village of East Palestine. They're not sure what happened. Fifty cars derailed, many burning this morning. Can't imagine what this one's like. Two Missouri children missing for a year now were found last week shopping at a Florida grocery store with their alleged abductor nearly a year after they were taken. 
Police in High Springs, Florida, made the discovery after a routine vehicle tag checked near a Winn-Dixie store and learned the owner, 36-year-old Christy Gilly, was a fugitive. A year without your kids now found. That is just something else. Is this the future? Is this church in the new America? A pastor who moved from Virginia and went to New York, Manhattan, in the late 1980s. He saw a startling sight. There in the corner, 6th Avenue and West 20th, was a beautiful Gothic Revival brownstone built back in 1844 that had once been the Episcopal Church of the Holy Communion, it was called. Now it was the limelight, an epicenter of the downtown club scene. The world. Thousands of people a night show up for drugs and sex and the possibility of close encounters with the famous of the cultural avant-garde. It was a vivid symbol of a culture that has rejected Christianity. Is this the new America? I began to notice repurposed church buildings all over our city. Condominiums, gyms, art galleries, coffee shops, pubs, clubs. A trend that continued as my time when the city went on in 2014. The New York Archdiocese of the Catholic Church announced it was closing a dozen empty churches and hundreds of other Protestant congregations faced dwindling membership and were gone. I had entered a different world than the one I'd known in Virginia. Here it was. Society was secularizing religion in general and Christianity in particular in great decline. In 1989, my family and I started Redeemer, a new church in Manhattan. We faced the cultural attitudes toward Christianity that ran from deep indifferences to mockery to shouting out light hostility. Hey, this is 2023 we're talking about here. Meanwhile, in the middle of the country, churches continued to multiply, and some even grew to enormous sizes. What was happening here? What I've experienced in New York for decades is now spreading across America. As of 2021, the number of religious knowns, those people who don't identify with any religion, in the U.S. had grown to, well, 30% of the population. Professing Christians constituted 63%. That was down 75%. And the Pew Research Center recently projected the future of this trend. In three of its four scenarios, the percentage of Christians plunges to less than half of the population by the year 2070. And in none does the trend reverse and the church grow. Wow. What is happening in the new America? And this is one of those stories where you say two things at once, if that's possible. Are you kidding me? And where's my gun? Parents of children up in arms that prostitutes are soliciting for sex right outside a California elementary school. Some are saying that a law passed by California Democrats, the California Demons, has handcuffed law enforcement in cracking down on sex workers selling their bodies right in broad daylight, right at the school. Television station there, KGO, conducted an investigation about the prostitutes working outside St. Anthony's Elementary. The San Francisco-based news station captured video of sex workers dressed in minimal clothes and stiletto heels walking the streets near the Catholic schools, selling their bodies in the middle of the day with students watching. Oh, is this the new America? Is this a flood of evil? Are demons reigning today? Oh, those are silly questions. What kind of a law was it? Police say they were handcuffed 
after California Democrats passed the law to protect transgender sex workers. Good grief, Charlie Brown. It's a sign of the times and failed policy for Sleepy Joe and the team. Migrants leaving New York City heading north to Canada on taxpayer-funded buses, according to a new report from the New York Post. The Big Apple, the center of the migrant crisis on the East Coast after thousands of illegal immigrants have flooded that city with some living in ritzy taxpayer-funded hotel rooms daily. But not all the migrants are pleased with life in that city, telling the New York Post that they would rather accept free tickets for a ride up north to Canada and better opportunities in a country with lower rates of homelessness and drug abuse. Give me a better place to go. I see where many places, including a hospital there down on the border, is probably going to close because they can't keep up with the migrants and all the freebies. Isn't that so? what an absolute mess we have in America? Well, this is it. I I think I'm going to propose to my wife. (laughs) What? I'm going to do it at one of my favorite restaurants. What? Cracker Barrel is offering couples who pop the question at the restaurant free food for 12 months as a wedding gift? Yeah, the company just announced it. If you love them and you love home-style dishes, put a ring on it. So says Cracker Barrel. Despite the tantalizing offer, it looks like few are taking him up on it. If my future husband doesn't propose here, then it's all over, commented one woman. Didn't get engaged there, but we met while working there, says another. We had Cracker Barrel cater our wedding, said another. Valentine's Day, Tuesday, February the 14th. Early birds and Johnny-come-latelys have a cushion, though, as the contest runs through the 16th of February. Yep. Hey, honey, what are you doing? Never mind. And finally, just about the time when you think you have it all together. Yesterday, the Cross Church, Fort Wayne, Indiana, I was so excited to get in the pulpit. I I just feel like I've not preached enough on prophecy. I I mean, I do it, but really getting serious because I think we're coming down the wire. So I had seven things that uh, have already happened signaling the return of Jesus Christ, and I could not wait to get in the pulpit and preach that message. We had visitors. It was just a great time. So I get up there, get started, look down, and the first page of my notes, (laughs) the starter, the thing that gets us wound up, was missing. I'm stalling around there a little bit, talking about this, that, and the other thing, and finally just confessed, Ladies and gentlemen, I'm missing the first three points of this message, and people are kind of looking at me. I directed one of the men to go to the office, because that's where I was studying just before I came into the auditorium, and then I thought, my desk is such a mess, he won't even know what he's looking for, so we went together. Now, I had the lav mic on, and for some reason, the engineer kept it on, (laughs) so I'm in there talking with Greg one of the members of the church, just saying, wow, this is really embarrassing. I wonder what the visitors are thinking now. They're hearing this in the auditorium. Then I said, you know what? It really is a good thing that we're not on television. (laughs) The Lord knows how to humble you. Worst of all, I never did find the front page. So we actually started yesterday's message on point number four. (laughs) 
Ah, yes, the Lord knows how to do it. A couple of things there. Don't think you have it all together ever. You don't. And secondly, that he can still do great things. We had a wonderful service. Those indicating they were lost at the invitation. And uh, one of our visitors said, can I sit down and have a cup of coffee with you? Don't know what we're going to talk about this week, but that's coming up. Uh, Thank you, Lord. What a great, awesome God we serve. And finally, who said that? Probably just about every Christian. I had my patience tested, found out I'm negative. Not sure what this one was all about. Had this big balloon hovering over my house yesterday morning, followed me all the way to church. (laughs) Where's my Bible? Life 101. I hope I can find it. Life 101, right after this. Well, thanking God this morning before the program for all of the many opportunities he is giving us to minister the Word of God, get to speak with some of the nation's leading authorities coming up for Southwest Radio Church on the end times, prophecy, and things happening. Can't wait to get down to WHCB for the share Going to be in other places down there in Tennessee, Christian School, First Free Will Baptist Church. I mean, all the time, God just keeps pouring it on and How wonderful it is to have an opportunity to represent him in so many areas of our life, my friend. Continue to pray for Greg Pat Ministries, Hello World, and the many other things we seem to be doing daily. And thank you for your prayers, your support, my friend. It is such a blessing to have friends like you. It really is. So easy to get addicted to a number of things. We have an opioid crisis in America. Absolutely good people, Christian people, addicted. I've never told anyone, said Tracy, hands shaking, tears streaming down her face, but I I just can't live like this. My whole life is a big lie. In my work as a counselor, said Sharon Hirsch, I've heard many courageous men and women begin their stories with words just like that. I also remember trying to tell my own story years ago with halting words and a terrified heart. There I sat in a smoke-filled room in the Primary Purpose Club in Avada, Colorado, at a 12-step meeting for people struggling with alcohol. I was there because, like Tracy here, I knew I couldn't continue living this lie. I was a wife, a mother, a Bible study leader, and a director of the children's ministry at my church. But somehow I had allowed alcohol to become increasingly central to my life. My guilt-ridden conscience weariness from trying to hide my addiction and escalating physical symptoms of alcohol dependence finally compelled me to get some real help. I attended AA to learn more about alcoholism and how to recover and traveled clear across the city where I ran lesser risk of being recognized by people to see a counselor there. I didn't realize then that in spite of my desire and my efforts to get better in all of this, I was still hiding, wasn't I? Tracy was far more courageous. She sat in the circle of her peers at seminary, disclosing the secrets of her heart. I'm not honest. I do things I don't want to do. It's never enough. Her words certainly sounded like those of many addicts I know, but here's the twist. Tracy wasn't confessing substance abuse, sexual addiction, or some eating disorder. I'm addicted to pleasing people, she said. Did you get it? I'm addicted to pleasing people. Even though I look fine, I'm miserable. Everything I do or say is measured to get people somehow to like me. And once they do, I have to work to keep them liking me all the time. I'm so exhausted. 
I can't quit. I don't know how to do this. In the middle of this circle of friends with mascara running down her face, Tracy stepped onto the healing path. She didn't know where her confession would lead her. She didn't have a plan, which is scary for a people pleaser. She simply began by just telling the truth. That's where it starts. Part of the insidious nature of addiction is that it hides itself from the very person who really needs the healing. And every addiction, whether substance or activity, person or ideology we love too much, involves self-deception that leads us to hide from others. In fact, the point at which truth begins to take root and combat our addiction is precisely when we bring our central activity, when we wake up thinking about, planning for, hiding from others, spending too much money on, feeling ashamed of, investing too much time in, needing to recover from, well, whatever's going on. I need light. The turning point occurs when we come face to face with reality and make the choice to really surrender our lives, even if it's only a start. It's then that we begin to see our compulsive and our obsessive behavior for what it really is and better understand the truth about an addiction, about habit that we have, our misery, and the addiction impact has on all of our relationships. One of the most baffling aspects of any addiction is why someone would continue to do the same destructive behavior in the face of those bad consequences. I mean, they're dire, aren't they? You can often talk to people who hit the bottom before finally acknowledging they have a problem, but Addicts know that there is no bottom. Regardless of how serious previous repercussions were, you can always risk or justify just one more time out on that addiction. During my drinking days, I often would determine on Sunday nights that I was done for good. I'm all through with this. Boy, you know, that's what this writer is saying. And I think about my life, same way with cigarettes, four packs a day. I can stop this anytime. I've stopped hundreds of times throw away the cigarettes and buy new ones the next day. This person would throw away a bottle of booze into the trash can, take the trash can out there to the curb, and vow never, ever, ever again while I drink, only to find herself creeping out in the wee hours of the morning to get the bottle out of the trash can. You know, sometimes drinking straight from the bottle as quickly as I could was my modus operandi. That's how I did it. I was desperate to stop and desperate to drink, and where am I in all of this? I just couldn't save myself. Addictions take us into some kind of a labyrinth of darkness, does it not? Yet even though it can be painful to admit that we're truly lost here, this is when you can catch a glimmer of hope around the bend. When we quit running from the truth, we know that the rawest parts of our very souls, we need the kind of forgiveness you can't bestow upon yourself. The healing path God offers to lead us is illuminated when we acknowledge that despite our best efforts, we can't do it. We can't set ourselves free. We want to be free, but we can't get there. As we surrender, God offers us his infinite compassion, but we must be willing to receive it, a, a life devoid of his forgiveness results in guilt and self-contempt, which fuel addiction. On the other hand, if we accept the forgiveness of Almighty God without taking responsibility for our actions, we become, well, I guess, self-deluded, which fuels denial. Unfortunately, we often fear God's compassion because receiving forgiveness requires that we be vulnerable, that we trust Him 
to see us and to love us as we are. And until you can face your failures, you're not going to receive grace. This isn't going to work. When in my own desperation, I opened up the Bible, read the Gospels, I was cut right to the quick by the stories of absolute, unconditional love that paved the way for me to receive forgiveness and freedom. I wept as I saw and knew the rough wooden cross, the gambling executioners, the crude nails, the gaping wounds, the cup of vinegar. And I saw that this story of love was deeper than my own story of shame and failure. I found that when I brought my brokenness to the cross of Jesus, he was waiting to shine his light into the darkness of my life with his love and his mercy and his unquenchable grace. Let's cut to the chase here. Without surrender, he had stuck at an impasse between high arrogance and low self-esteem, neither of which will work, really. Arrogance makes us believe that we can do the handle everything. Others can't be trusted, and we actually manage our lives better than God can do that. Low self-esteem, on the other hand, leads us to believe that we must handle things alone because we'd be a burden to other people or become unlovable if we revealed, oh, all of that baggage and what's in the closet, and that even God eventually gets tired of our constant neediness. Boy, Satan's good. But stepping onto the healing path and experiencing the light and the love of God compels us to connect with other people. When we're trapped in a vicious cycle of destructive behavior, no, it's easy to feel like we're alone. Sure it is. Addictive thinking tells us that isolation is the proper response to our emptiness. And as a result, we don't tell anyone. But the truth is no one goes this thing alone. When we own up to reality and seek God's forgiveness, He will propel us forward in victory in Jesus. My friend, if we let him, God is going to use what we fear most to make us very strong. Read 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 and 10. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10. For through our weakness, his strength is most powerfully revealed in us. Could it be that everything you're looking for is found on the other side of whatever you're fearing today? Perhaps walking through all of those scary realities of life, you're going to find everything you long for most, to be completely known, completely forgiven, and completely loved. Because as God's child, my friend, that's exactly what you are. Have you accepted that great gift yet? You've trusted Jesus Christ as Savior? The Bible says, for whosoever, is this you? For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him, Jesus Christ, should not perish, should not go to hell, but will have everlasting life with him. Are we going to be walking those streets together someday, my friend? Why not? Ask God to forgive you of your sins today. Accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. He died on that old rugged cross. Horrible death so that you might have life eternal. Don't turn away from him or the message today. Accept Jesus Christ as your very own Savior. And then uh, on the lighter side, I think many of you can really identify with this. I keep telling everybody when I was a kid, boy, that was a long time ago. There really was for me two ways to die. Natural causes 
and talking back to mom and dad. <laughs> oh, kids got it made today. Oh, and I, you know, I usually don't brag when I eat expensive food like, uh, well, prime rib and lobster. But I got to tell you today, before the radio program, I finished three <laughs> scrambled eggs. Okay. How much did uh, these cost? Uh, I want to thank you for being here every day at this time, Monday through Friday. God bless you for your support. Had to say, for another day, and that's the way it is, Monday, February the 6th, 2023. I'm Greg Patton. God bless. Enjoy the remainder of your day.